Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I want to take you back a little bit in the Wayback Machine when there's a big fuss when Vizio was the top-selling TV brand in the United States. And they're still a big seller, but they're not the top dog anymore. And they got their wrists slapped for spying on what television you were watching without disclosing to you that they were spying like they were. And they reached a settlement where they didn't, it's one of those idiotic things that the government does where the company didn't have to admit that it was doing anything wrong, but it said it wasn't going to do the stuff anymore without your permission. So there's a lot of value to ad agencies, big companies, to the TV manufacturers themselves, and now with streaming television, to people like Amazon with their Fire Sticks and Roku and all that, uh, to be able to track what you're doing. And there's a technology called ACR that allows the TV itself or a third-party plug-in to know what you're watching and the funny thing is they know what you're watching whether you're streaming it watching it on a satellite watching it on cable watching it over the air however you're watching it can track your viewing patterns and then use that to target you with specific ads it's very much like what you think about when you're online on your phone or your laptop and you'll go to some store and look at an item and then you'll go to let's say a news site or an entertainment site and suddenly an ad pops up for whatever that item was and so there's a lot of um a lot of invasion of privacy involved with this stuff people in the tv business say no think how great this is Because instead of you having ads for stuff you don't care about, you'll only see ads for stuff you do care about. And um, eh, maybe, I don't know. But here's a wild one I saw in the Wall Street Journal. So since Vizio lost that lawsuit, the setting on a Vizio TV is automatic opt-out that you have to voluntarily choose to opt in to share your personal viewing habits. And I haven't seen how Vizio um, words it because I I haven't had a Vizio TV in recent years. So I don't know what you see on the screen. But the Wall Street Journal reports that of 16 million people who bought Vizio TVs since they lost the lawsuit uh, roughly two and a half years ago, 90% of people have voluntarily chosen to allow what they watch to be tracked. So maybe I'm just much more concerned about this privacy stuff than most people are, or it could be that the wording makes it seem like this is just the greatest thing ever for you to let us uh, see what you're watching and what you're up to. So know that this is a very active part of the sale of televisions and of various streaming products is the ability to track what you're doing. 
And I think that we should have the ability with any of these things, if we don't like being tracked, to say, leave me alone. You do not have my permission to track. And it shouldn't be something that's just a private settlement with Vizio and the feds. It should be standard operating position, uh, should be standard operating procedure that you and I get to choose whether we get tracked. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Mike. You want to join me as an obsessive compulsive walker? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for all the, all the advice you gave. I, I'm listening to podcasts all the time. I make my kids listen to. <laughs> now, isn't that um, child cruelty making a kid listen to me? <laughs> Seriously? They'll thank me later. Yeah, but in the meantime, they'll be, Dad, can't we listen to music? <laughs> uh, so I set a resolution to walk 10,000 steps a day. And I listen to the show all the time, so I know you're an avid walker. So just wanted to get some advice on how you do it. It seems to be okay on the weekends, but I have trouble during the week with work and all. So I wish that I had all my family members here with me right now because they could make so much fun of me. But I'm going to tell you something that sounds ridiculous but is actually true. So for three years I walked um, or ran or exercised, whatever, seventeen more than 17,000 steps a day. And when I had my annual physical, my doctor and his straight face told me I was over exercising and wanted me to cut back to 15,000. Well, I'm looking at my fitness tracker. I'm still averaging over 16,500. So I really haven't listened completely. But what I do is, okay, just forgive me. This is going to sound ridiculous. You ready? Yep. I'm ready. I actually walk up and down the hall in our house when I'm short steps in the evening and my kids sometimes will come and get alongside me and walk to laugh at me. And my daughter posted something, uh, I think it's called a Vine, she posted, I'm trying to remember which one, of the, all the different social media she does, asking me, interviewing me as I'm walking, what was I doing to show how ridiculous her father was? But I just am focused on... When normally, like in the evening, when you just be sitting on your rear end watching something on TV or whatever, that I get up and I walk even in the house. If it's pretty outside or light outside, like in the uh, late spring, summer, early fall, I will walk outdoors at night to get those last steps. But when it's dark out and in the winter, I walk indoors. So I know that's extreme. You're silent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I've been doing is I got some advice from my sister-in-law, uh, taking a break at work, like a 10-minute break, and just go walk for 10 minutes. And then in the afternoon, I do the same thing, a 10-minute break and walk in the afternoon. So that seems to help get the steps up. Yeah, and there is actually a school of thought in uh, medicine that doing 10-minute pieces of exercise through a day is potentially better for your health than doing like a 30-minute exertion just once a day that it clears your head it gives you more pep and energy to go back into work and so think about when so many people used to smoke and they'd go take a smoke break for 10 minutes you're taking those 10 minutes to to clear your head and get some exercise get some steps in yeah i found it helps so far so i'm going to try to keep it up so whatever method works 
set a goal that's realistic for yourself and stick to it and don't be as obsessive as I am, but just have a pattern, a routine and get that exercise in because it changes your your health, it changes your future, and your mental attitude is just so much better when you're active. Andrea's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I listen to you on usually Bill Handel on KFI, but I'm so excited. Ah, Bill is such a fun guy. He is, and I love listening to you guys talk. Well, thank you. But I'm excited because I have a golf question. I'm not um, any my, good at the game. No, neither am I. But my son, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to plan ahead for holiday shopping and Black Friday sales. And I was looking at like golf range finders or the GPS, like wristbands and stuff. <sighs> Do you know of any great deals coming up on these higher ticket items for it's a, golf? It's very common Black Friday week sale item. And okay. so if you're interested in the, you know, the golf GPS devices, that are you looking at the ones that your son would wear on his wrist or the ones that he would hold that are specifically I for like, golf courses? I, like the, I think the wrist ones make more sense. Okay. Like I, I was looking at those and one in particular, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk sure, name, name brands it. and all that stuff. Absolutely. Like, Go ahead, because this is Black friend? Friday we're talking about. Right. A friend of mine told me that like the Bushnell rangefinders are really cool, but those are like $500. And I love my son, but I don't know if I love him enough to spend $500 for him for a Christmas gift right now. Not when I've got other children. Sure. Um, okay. But the, the Garmin S20 GPS, I saw it today on, you know, my Amazon Prime, which I know you do talk Amazon a lot. But it's still kind of pricey, and I don't know if I'm better off just buying it today on Amazon Prime, or do I wait and buy it, you know, closer to Black Friday? Well, I got two things deal. I want you to do. One is, have you ever heard of Camel, Camel, Camel? No. So Camel, Camel, Camel will uh, let you know historical price trends for an item on Amazon, and you'll awesome. be able to see if today's price is one that's a yawner, or is really a good price. Okay. In addition, because you're looking at a Garmin and they're so widely sold, go to frugal.com, F-R-O-O-G-L-E. Okay. Which is actually just the cute name for Google Shopping. And okay. it will do comparison shopping. And the more specifics you are where you know Garmin and a specific model number it will be able to show you the cheapest price that's available and the range of prices from place to place. Okay. And then uh, we at ClarkDeals.com and then all the other deal sites will have information over the next couple of weeks of all the deals that are going to be available through the Black Friday shopping season. Okay. And when deals pop up on the Golf GPS devices, they'll be on our site and the others as well. Right, so just keep following up because my thing is I don't want to buy it today and then find out that, oh my gosh, you know, Thanksgiving I could have gotten it for, I don't know, 129 instead of the 179 or whatever. All right, so um, one thing you can look at if you're going to, if you see a deal at a particular store, and I don't know Amazon's policy on this, but 
you know, some stores, if the price get goes down within 30 days, you just ask for the refund of the difference. So you can go ahead and know you have it, and then if the price does go down, you get that lower price. Oh, okay. That's good to know, too. So that way, if you see something that feels like a deal, but you're not sure, you could buy it and then know that you later could switch to the lower price, just depending on where you buy because a lot of places all sales are final or they have these ugly restocking fees on electronics and make you pay that before they give you the lower price. Jordan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, sir? Great, thank you. You got an open enrollment question for me. Indeed, regarding HSA accounts and uh, using them as an investment tool. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I do consider this a privilege and a pleasure Started listening to you as a as a kid. Took some years off after being burnt out listening to uh, you with my mom's radio when I was a child. But now I'm back on the bandwagon. I've been listening to your podcast regularly. Well, thank you. You know, I really think it is child abuse that kids are forced <laughs> in the car to have to listen to me. Well, it's, it's definitely good uh, good for my where I'm at now. In the past, you've. Um, spoken about using HSA accounts as a tool for retirement, but I haven't heard you mention it lately. Do you still advise on investing in HSAs after maxing out contributions to an IRA? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you can put money into an HSA and not use the money for current medical bills and let that money grow tax-free over the years, It is an enormous value later in life because what happens when people hit retirement, they underestimate heavily how much they're going to have to come out of pocket for medical. So in retirement, you don't want to have to use the money you've saved for non-medical for medical. If you have the HSA, you get generally you get a tax benefit up front and then you get tax-free growth over the years, and then the money is spent tax-free if used for eligible medical expenses. So it is superior to a Roth. It's superior to a 529 for a kid's college. An HSA done right is in its own special category of greatness for your wallet. Okay, so then when you do retire, you do just isolate those funds for medical expenses. Yeah, and and so as somebody, let's say somebody lives, if somebody makes it to their mid-60s, actuarially they're likely to live on average somewhere into their 80s. And as you get into the later parts of life, that's when medical ends up eating up a larger and larger chunk of what you need to live on. And so having the HSA money there is fantastic as a way to defray those medical costs with it kind of parallel tracks the Roth with money that grows tax-free over the years and spent tax-free. The only reason the HSA is superior, as I mentioned, is you often get the upfront tax benefit in addition to the money growing tax-free. I know there are certain companies that do invest and not all HSA companies offer the investment. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you can choose where you put your HSA money, the best plans are ones that allow you to put your HSA money into low-cost index funds from uh, Vanguard or Fidelity 
or Schwab, where you're putting money in ultra-low-cost funds so that the money can grow tax-free over the years. And if you're a long way from retirement like you are, it doesn't really matter what the ups and downs are with the stock market over the decades. You're playing a long game and having the lowest-cost funds in that HSA growing over the decades is what makes it work so well for you. And I'm so impressed that you are saving so much money everywhere you turn. Good for you. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites, clark.com and clarkdeals.com. The sales continue this week that usually would happen two weeks from now, Thanksgiving week, and they started last week, especially heavily this past Saturday, and we continue to see day by day the kind of deals that usually would be so heavily concentrated the week of Thanksgiving, but they are here now at Clark Deals. We're bringing you up to date retailer by retailer, and then specific items of note, what kind of deals are out there for you to stretch every dollar as you do your holiday shopping. If you have not heard my briefing on this, very, very important that you do your holiday shopping now and complete it all by the end of November because for specialized reasons that I I don't want to repeat, December is going to be an extremely expensive time period to do any holiday shopping except in categories that are bombing, that people aren't buying at all. So get it done now, even if you're normally a shopper procrastinator or a procrastinating shopper. So something else I want you to really focus on with Thanksgiving two weeks away, a lot of us have experienced a lot of... um, burnout or whatever you want to call it from working so much Uh, there was a report recently that found that the people who've been privileged enough to be able to work from home during coronavirus have been working the time they would have spent commuting they've been using that time working the weird thing is that so many employers always thought that if people work from home they would loaf, that they'd be goofing off instead of working. And actually, that hasn't been how this has played at all. Productivity has typically been higher during the pandemic than normal. So people are working too, too much. And there's a massive number of people who are going to miss using all their vacation that they are allowed where they work when this year's over. So I want you to start thinking about immediately taking at least, if you're just one of those people who just, oh, work's got to go on. I've got to be part of it. Take half days off, maybe a half day every week for the rest of the year. Take multiple days off at Thanksgiving. Take a lot of days off at Christmas and New Year's. You will be a better worker if you take time off and you'll be happier. Promise. Malvin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Malvin. Hi, Clark. It's great to hear you and be on the air with you. 
Thank you. Great to have you here. How can I serve you today? I'm calling about socially responsible investing, which I've been doing for many years, and I've been listening to you for years also. And I know you don't talk very much about it and prefer people to do other things, but my wife and I, that's really the direction we like going. And I've been using a uh, investment group, and I've also heard you talk about what percentages are really outrageous and which are not. Uh, and I just had them check in. The overall fee I'm paying on my things is 0.7%, which is certainly a lot higher than all the Vanguard and Schwab things you point talked about. 0.7? 7. 0.7. Is okay. that really, really... You know what's funny? If we were having this conversation 10 years ago, I'd say, that's fantastic. They're only charging you 0.7% of the money you have invested with them? That's great. And today... 0.7, you know, seven-tenths of 1% of the money you have being charged each year is a huge fee compared to what's available right. in the market. Right. So is there a way to do socially responsible investing uh, with lower fees? Yeah, so Vanguard, they now right. offer uh, socially responsible investing almost free. And do they do any advising and, and fund allocation, or is that just I have to pick the funds? Well, they only <laughs> there's only one you can pick okay. for domestic. They call it the Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Fund, and they have a U.S. one, and then they have one that does the same kind of screening for international investing. Is that diversified enough to have everything in one fund? I mean, usually, you know, you talk about having things much sure. more diversified sure. and more balanced. So that is the risk anytime you start calling the herd, is that you reduce the overall exposure. So what they do is they specifically cut out alcohol, cigarettes, anything involved with uh, adult content, anything involved with guns, oil, uh, anything involved with gasoline, anything like that any casinos, anything like that. And you can see the list. So you, you're talking about uh, a fair number of companies that would make up, let's say, the 500 largest in the United States. But you'd still have, I guess you'd still have 400 or more in there. You can, If you go look online at Vanguard.com, these are both ETFs, exchange-traded funds, if you're familiar with those. Yeah, that's what well, I was wondering whether they're ETFs or, in, or indexes. Okay, yeah, so they're, they're ETFs, and you can okay. go look at the list of holdings for each and get a sense about how diversified they are, but it's the most cost-effective way for you to get that diversification. Okay. So that's an ETF, so it's relatively diversified by itself. Well, that's why I want you to go look at the information on vanguard.com and you decide does it feel based on the portfolio allocation does it feel diversified enough to you ah i got you and if it's not do i have any other options as far as ultra low cost um you could probably find some moderate costs with schwab and fidelity but that is, I think, as cheap as it gets, the vanguards I gave you, on doing socially responsible investing. Everybody's format of socially responsible is different one from another. 
So some people might say, hey, why would you exclude oil? Other people may be uh, big into uh, having guns and don't see why that should be eliminated from that. Uh, pretty much everybody gets it about cigarettes, but other people might not say that you should restrict gambling. So everybody has their own criteria, and that's something I would look at too, Melvin, is does this meet the standards that you like for what you feel is socially responsible investing? Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. I'm so excited to hear that you are a successful real estate entrepreneur. That's right. I'm trying to be like you. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've heard. I've been selling properties like crazy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've reached a point where I've had really nice appreciation in the properties. I've accomplished what I wanted to financially. And I was like, you know what? Let somebody else have the fun. Yeah, there you go. So I've been, I've sold six. Oh, wow. And I'm down to one rental property. Hey, you and me both. I got one. And uh, actually, the reason I was calling is as I just was fortunate enough to be able to pay it off. And I was wondering if um, now would be a good time for me to look into putting it into an LLC. Yeah, the, there's a couple of things you can look at. So LLC is cheap to set up, but there's some hassle with them. But the advantage is that nothing in your life is at risk outside of that LLC. If somebody, let's say something horrific happened at that rental property and somebody sets up a meth lab and it explodes, or a crime takes place at the property, and your liability exposure is just ginormous. By having it an LLC, all that would happen is the LLC is at risk in that property, but nothing else you built up in your life is at risk. Now, mm -hmm. the alternative, and this depends in part, um, what kind of assets do you have otherwise? Would you guess like a sense of uh, some kind of general range of what you think your net worth is? I guess I would say like around 200. Okay. So in your case, you may not need to do an LLC. And what you could do instead is you could buy an umbrella insurance policy, mm -hmm. which would likely leave your life less complicated and you'd avoid the ancillary costs you have with having an LLC and an umbrella policy sits on top of the landlord liability policy or whatever kind of insurance you have on that property and what you have elsewhere in your life in terms of liability. And the umbrella is like a shield that runs beyond your normal coverage in the event something that's a big potential claim occurs. And the, the umbrella policies are for what you get phenomenally cheap like buying a million dollars worth of umbrella tends to cost uh, more or less two hundred dollars in most states and then each additional million is cheaper because they've already issued the policy and the risk of a claim that would outrun that first million is very unlikely so you could go either direction um, if you told me you had added a zero to your net worth and you were at a couple of million I would actually tell you to have an umbrella policy and put the rental property in an LLC. I got you. But in, can I ask a follow-up question? Sure. 
I, actually, my current tenants are getting ready to move out, so I'm going through the process again of I'm screening tenants. I know you, you recommend some um, companies to, you know, vet um, different people, but I've never used them before. So once I use a company and the company, you know, verifies them, I guess it, does it give me a pretty uh, a well thought out view of each possible tenant, saying like this one's better than this one. So that depends on that, that depends on how much data you get. Now, one of them that, that we've recommended is one called Smart Move, yeah, which is actually a about. subsidiary of TransUnion for screening yeah. tenants. And the idea of that is to reduce the chances you're going to have somebody trash your place or they're going to default on the, on the rent. So there are several services like that. Some go way deep background. Most concentrate typically on credit profile, but doing that kind of thing with a potential tenant is very important. Greg's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Greg. Hi, Clark. It's an honor to speak with you. Well, great to have you here with us. And you have a lot of grandkids. Well, we have been very blessed. And by the way, there's still three that can have more. Well, how many kids do you have? Well, together we have six. Six kids. And how many grandkids? We're up to 15 right now. Wow. And it, they're a blessing. I'll tell you, they, they are worth raising these other children. <laughs> they're just great. That's wonderful. Now, every Christmas, Clark, you come out and tell us not to buy store carts. However, with 15 grandchildren that I have to mail off presents to, the cost of mailing becomes prohibitive. So I go ahead and uh, I buy store cards from people that I know aren't going out of business and send them to the kids. Now, if the kids are teenage, I call the kids and ask them which store. And if they're not, I call their parents. So when you send these, are you sending electronic cards instead of actual physical cards? No, sir. I, I send the physical cards that I buy in the stores. But you're mailing those, aren't you? Yes, but the cost of mailing several of those versus mailing presents is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got that. Okay, so you want an alternative because of the problems with gift cards? Well, I don't think there... I, I don't have a problem with the gift cards. I just know that you come out against them every Christmas. Well, because my feeling is that the greatest thing you could send these grandkids instead of gift cards would be cash. Yeah, uh, and I've... I guess I'm kind of old school in that we never send cash through the mail. Understood. And But, you know, if somebody pilfers the mail, the gift card is just uh, almost as valuable to them as having the cash. But I understand the concern. So uh, when you send the gift cards, do you also send a note with them? Oh, yes. We include a card. We always make out on the gift card how much the card is worth and which grandchild it's to in case there's multiple in the household. And each child gets their own card and their own Christmas card and then put them in a mailer. So I don't want to discourage you from doing what you're doing because it's working. You haven't had any of the problems I'm gathering I've talked about with the, them getting the gift cards and all the money's already spent on them by a crook. You know, there's this problem with hackers where they empty the cards before recipients have received them. 
But right. if it's been working for you and it's a system that you're able to talk to each grandchild, gives you a chance to, to talk with them, uh, you ask them what they want, you give them exactly what they want, I shouldn't interfere in that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it, as long as it's working just fine and any of the grandkids that you actually see at Christmas, do you get to see any of the 15 or is it always... Well, we do have times when uh, one or two of the families will come to us here in Oklahoma. And, of course, then we hold that back until Christmas morning so we can open them there. But we still get cards. It it seems to work to the child's benefit, too, Clark, because they're not getting something that they're going to put in the closet. Okay. Well, then, again, I defer to you. And I don't want to discourage you from doing what has, to this point, worked so well for you with your grandkids. Well, I appreciate what you tell us. You know, you you really do help us a lot. So thank you for that. I'm just curious, with 15 grandkids, how much are you able to give each of them? Because that's a lot of grandkids to have to give Christmas gifts to. Well, it it, kind of depends on their age when they're still in public school. Then at they each get 50. When they get into college, they each get 100. And when they get married, they get a nice card and um, Merry Christmas wishes. <laughs> so the money's over once they get married, huh? Well, I, you know, like I said, I'm kind of old school. I like them to make it on their own. Well, I, I love everything you said. Obviously, you adore these grandchildren and you're there for them. Even if you can't be there in person, you're still there for them. And keep doing what you're doing. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.